Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I am the show's co-host and producer, Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and today our topic is the power of yoga for stress relief. I'm delighted to be joined today by Lori Highland Robertson, the editor-in-chief of Yoga Therapy Today, a publication of the International Association of Yoga Therapists. Ms. Robertson has a Master's of Science degree in Yoga Therapy from Maryland University of Integrative Health and is a an IAYT certified yoga therapist. She owns Whole Yoga and Pilates in the Baltimore, Washington area. You can find out more about her at the website wholeyoga.net and also at the website of the International Association of Yoga Therapists, iayt.org. Welcome, Lori Highland Robertson. I'm delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Before we dive into our dialogue about, um, about yoga for stress relief, let's start with a moment of being present. So let's begin with an OM. Oh. And let's start by just noticing where we are, where our bodies are in space, and noticing what is supporting our bodies, whether we're sitting or walking. The driving, and just feeling where your body touches the surface that supports it. And then turn your attention to your breath, just noticing as you inhale and exhale, noticing the cool air as it, the breath flows in through the nostrils and the warm air flowing out. Continuing to notice the breath, just allowing the flow of the natural rhythm of breathing, not trying to control it, just noticing. Then on the inhale, the next inhale, 
Just follow your breath within. Feel as though you're moving from your head into your heart. With each in-breath, diving within. And with each out-breath, just letting go and relaxing. And from this place, from this inner place, just resting in the feeling of being. Just being. Feeling our essential nature, our essence of being as we rest there. knowing that that essence of being is connected to the one in all. It's within us, between us, and all around us. And we can rest there just for a moment. If we notice any thoughts or feelings we realize we can just watch them. Watch them as they arise. And watch them as they pass away, resting in this essence of our being. Allowing the peace from our essence of being to permeate the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. Feeling as though each and every cell in our body can open to just be present. Be present with this peace. allowing it to soak in like the dry ground after a rain. And as we draw this meditative moment to a close, remember we can take this with us, this peaceful feeling. Can share it with others as we pass through our day. Once again, Lori Highland Robertson, welcome to the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much. And thank you for that moment of practice. It's really wonderful to begin with that method. I love it. Yeah, I always appreciate it myself. <laughs> Grounds me a little bit before we dive into the conversation. So as I as I mentioned in the introduction, um, you're a yoga therapist, you've been a yoga teacher. So how did you first come to practice yoga? Well, like many people, uh, people in the Western world, at least, 
I came first to the the physical practices of yoga, of yoga asana. For me, it was a form of exercise. I like to move my body, and it was a way of moving that felt really good. Um, I, my husband and I used to belong to a gym that was really kind of a a bare bones sort of a place, and and they announced that they were going to have a yoga teacher come in, and he said, "Hey, do you want to?" check this out with me and I said sure let's let's go see what that's all about and that was in I think 2000 or 2001 uh, and so we went to this class that was held between a boxing ring and some free weights it was right on the floor there were no mats no boundaries and it was I think just the two of us and the teacher wow yeah and uh that was my very first yoga class. And I, I remember it being, you know, physically challenging. Um, I don't remember all that much about the class itself, but I remember how I felt afterward. And you know, my husband and I looked at each other and said, what was that? Mm. That, that felt different. Uh, and you know, it, it continued on like that for some time, that it was primarily a physically based practice, um, as I think is true for, for many of us. And, and it still is exercise, you know, but at, at this point in my practice, you know, almost 20 years in, the, the physical effects are kind of the tip of the iceberg. Mm. You know, what, what started as the, the main focus is now a side effect. Mm. <laughs> so that that's kind of my yoga origin story. <laughs> so what's most meaningful to you about your current yoga practice? Well, I think I've been a sort of a type A person. We'd probably call it pitta dominant in the yoga <laughs> world. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a sort of a type A since I was a toddler, according to my family, maybe even even longer. And I would say that during yoga practice was the first time that I really came to understand what that meant in my body, what it meant in my body-mind system to relate to the world in that way. And partly through yoga practice, I came to recognize that I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, and that's something that I still do deal with today, um, but that led me to seek help for that. And it also gave me tools to manage it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say one of my favorite ways to describe yoga to people who don't know what it is, is using the words of Viktor Frankl, the, the psychiatrist, that we're creating the space between the stimulus and the response. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yoga for me builds that space and a- enables me to step into that space between stimulus and response and choose my responses. So it, so it really allows me to choose a different way of being in the world, which, which maybe is a big statement. Um, <laughs> but, but when I connect to the fullness of what it means to be human among a world full of other humans who are all experiencing the same joys, the same heartbreaks, the same suffering, the same fears, then I can 
rest in, in what you called earlier that essence of being. I can rest in that essence of being. And that's, a, that's amazing. And that's, that's what my yoga practice gives me. Um, and, and I was just going to say that's so, that's so great that, uh, you know, you touch on the transformative aspect of yoga, which I would certainly agree has been transformative in, in my life as well. And I love that description that you just gave of that space that, you know, opens up. And for me, my yoga practice, of course, also includes meditation, you know, which is really a strong part of the yoga tradition. And my meditation practice in particular helps me open that space. And, you know, you can, it it becomes so much more creative instead of just kind of a, you know, reflex, like a knee jerk kind of a thing that, you know, something happens and we respond with, you know, anger or fear or anxiety or whatever. And that yoga practice allows us to open that little space, which is, that's like the, you know, that's like the, I don't know, secret sauce or (laughs) magic part of it or something that, you know, allows you to, um, to, you know, live more creatively to live a different kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I've added to that purely physical practice, you know, adding all the other practices of yoga, as you said, meditation and breath work and, and all the other practices, it, what is most meaningful has also come to be this ability to share it with others mm. and to help them to get into that crack between the stimulus and the response and to widen that space. And, and so it's become much more about maybe using my candle to light someone else's. Mm. Beautiful image. So you are, uh, or have been at least, uh, we talked a little bit before the show and you said you're not teaching yoga as much, but you're seeing, you know, clients as a yoga therapist. So what do you see as the difference between yoga and yoga therapy? Well, certainly they're they're related, right? Yoga therapy is a subset of the whole of yoga technology and philosophy, and it includes all the elements of yogic practice. So it yoga therapy is is contained within yoga. It's not something that's that's off to the side on its own. Um, but but I do think that there are some differences in orientation. So, for example, rather than being oriented to teaching or learning specific techniques of yoga, so perfecting your downward dog or your pinchamayarasana, which which might be fun and certainly can be useful, I'm not disparaging that at all, um, but rather than being oriented to the techniques of yoga, yoga therapy is uh, much more of a process that I engage in with someone along with a client to help them apply those tools of yoga, technology, and philosophy to themselves and to their life situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a, as a, an IYT certified yoga therapist, we have a defined scope of practice now. Um, we, there are educational standards that we adhere to. Um, so it, it's a little bit of a, a different orientation. Uh, we're, we're using similar tools, but, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, because um, you asked me about this earlier, um, for me, the, the uh, practice of yoga is inherently 
therapeutic in the way that we talked about it. You know, it can be life transforming, literally. Um, and for me, yoga therapy is what you described, but more of a personalized you know, approach for a given problem. I mean, some yoga therapists do um, construct classes, you know, for, uh, you know, a certain problem, but often yoga therapy is delivered in a one-on-one kind of a setting. And, and I love the personalization that we can do there helping someone to create a home program that specifically addresses their need, whether it's a mental health need, like you mentioned, anxiety, whether it's a physical problem they might be having, like back pain or neck pain, or, um, you know, whether it's um, helping them cope with um, maybe, you know, more um, intensive uh, treatment or um, the after effects. Like I know there's uh, yoga therapists that work with um, cancer patients and, you know, after cancer, um, you know, potentially has been treated and isn't around anymore, helping people recover their stamina and those kinds of things. Right, exactly. And I think that you touched on a, a distinction that, that yoga therapists themselves make too, that we can apply these yogic tools to specific problems and, and specific conditions. And that's, that's often the way that we will start with clients. You know, we, we meet them where they are and at the point of their suffering. And then ultimately we hope to move beyond being solely problem focused to get into the transformation that you mentioned. Uh, and so that's when it, it, it really can become this co-creative process of developing practices that the person can can do throughout a lifetime. Yes, indeed. So as I mentioned in the in the introduction, you're also the editor in chief of the magazine Yoga Therapy Today, which is one of the publications of the International Association of Yoga Therapy or IAYT. And it's been interesting to me as a physician to see the large increase in the number of scientific studies um, that look at yoga and evaluate yoga as a as a tool for a, a wide variety of health problems. Um, I often mention this, you know, list that um, <clears throat> Dr. Timothy McCall keeps at his website, drmccall.com, uh, which is a list of 101 health conditions benefited by yoga. And what I like about it is it includes links to many of the underlying scientific studies. So in your view, uh, what's the current level of scientific evidence supporting yoga as a complementary approach? Well, First, I have to say that I think uh, others can speak about yoga research in, in a lot more depth than I can, and, and I think it would be a really fascinating topic for you to, to cover here. Um, and another uh, website that I want to mention before I forget is a, a resource that I can offer um, because it's a website that I work on for IAYT, and it's called yogatherapy.health. Yeah. Um, and so in addition to websites like Dr. McCall's, um, this one, we add information all the time, including links to research studies. Um, but we also cover this question of the difference between yoga and yoga therapy. And we have a blog that includes different perspectives from yoga therapists. Um, to circle back to your question, uh, I would say that research on 
yoga and yoga therapy is is improving all the time. It's really a, a an exciting time to be involved in that world. And um, in addition to Yoga Therapy Today, which is the magazine that I edit, I also work on a publication called the International Journal of Yoga Therapy. And that is a peer-reviewed publication. It's, it's IAYT's scholarly journal, and that's where you'll find a lot of the more research-based information. Um, but the, the level of evidence is improving all the time. Mm-hmm. There, I read a study um, that was from a couple of years ago, and it estimated that there are 50 randomized controlled trials per year in yoga now coming out. So, wow. yeah, that's a huge number for, for yoga. Um, in terms of, of where we are with the level of evidence, I, I think that it's really useful to remember that the way we need to look at a yoga practice for the purpose of studying it or for, you know, using it in a clinical population is different than how you would experience that practice in, in other settings. We have to remember that we're breaking apart the various elements of practice so that we can study them and so that we can determine which thing had what effect. So uh, as a practicing yogi, we would probably think about the practices a little bit differently than someone approaching, you know, a yoga practice from a research standpoint. Yes, indeed. And that's one of the challenges, you know, I think, I think with the, with the research. Um, I also did want to mention that the annual IAYT conference, the Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research is coming up June 13th to 16th in Newport Beach, California. And you can find out more about that conference at IAYT.org. So let's turn to our topic, uh, which is the power of yoga for stress relief. Um, As many people are aware, humans have a built-in response to stress that is called the fight-or-flight response, which is triggered when we encounter something that we perceive as stressful. And it results in a whole variety of changes within the body, including uh, the release of stress hormones, um, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and cortisol. And the whole idea of the stress response is to prepare the body to do exactly what it was described as, to either fight or to flee. Um, So what kind of negative outcomes from stress have you seen in the lives of your clients? Well, as I'm, I'm sure you experienced in your medical practice as well, is negative outcomes of stress can show up pretty much anywhere, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and in yogic terms, we look at the human body-mind-spirit system uh, in a, through the model that we call Panchamaya, Panchamaya Kosha. And so in that model... I don't know if that's something that you've talked about much before. It is. We talk about it intermittently. So what you're describing yeah. with the with the Sanskrit words of Panchamaya Kosha are the five layers, you know, or the five sheaths that yoga, you know, posits that in addition to the physical body, we also have, you know, sheaths that have to do with energy and with um, the mind, uh, with wisdom and with bliss. So, um with that, go ahead. What did you, what were you going to say? Right. Thank you. So, um, I, I visualize sometimes the the panchamaya system as a big knitted 
piece of fabric. And if you were to pull on a thread in one area of that fabric, so in one layer of your being, it would stretch the fabric all the way on the other side in a different layer of your being, which is a little bit of maybe a mixed metaphor and maybe isn't totally clear, but but pulling on one thread affects all the other threads. All right. Is essentially what I'm saying. So we can see negative effects of stress in the physical body, in Anamaya. We can see it in the energetic body. We can see it uh, in terms of our relationships. Uh, and, and we know in biomedical terms that stress can both cause illness it can it can lead to illness and it can make existing illnesses worse and and that really aligns with our yogic understanding of how we can affect our interconnected system and i think that one of the most one of the most negative outcomes i guess i would say to me is is that stress can really rob people of the ability to connect to Vinyana Maya, which is that layer of, of inner wisdom, and also can rob you of joy, of the ability to connect with Ananda Maya, with bliss or a sense of awe. Oh. Um, great tie-in with the, you know, with the uh, with the different layers. So um, we're almost at, at the break, but um, let me just say briefly that to me, one of the real differences and problems of today's world is that uh, while our stress response is gearing us up to take physical action um, in response to a to a uh, a threat uh, in the environment, that was how it originally came about. It's a mismatch now, you know, between our current world where the stresses are often um, maybe a uh, you know, a, a conflict with, you know, someone at work or um, in our relationship even or something like that, uh, traffic as we drive home, all of these things that we have this physical response that, you know, our body's trying to do, but it's a mismatch and it's and it's chronic in the way that it didn't used to be. So let's hold it right there. And when we come back, that's where we'll pick up the conversation. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest, Lori Hyland Robertson, Editor-in-Chief of Yoga Therapy Today magazine. You can find out more about her work at the websites wholeyoga.net and iayt.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about the power of yoga for stress relief. We'll be right back. Glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. 
Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Wendy Craig Purcell, taken from a talk called The Plan Unfolds. One of the other aspects of helping to really identify a true new beginning is being willing to sit in deep questions and pay attention to your answers to those deep questions. Deep questions like, what does my soul really long to do and be? If I didn't have to worry about paying bills, what would I really want to do? I'm not suggesting that you drop the, the real responsibilities of adulthood, but you can drop that from your process of questioning. What does my heart and soul long for? And what do I need to do to begin to build my life, more of my life, to look like that? To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Indian saint and mystic Kabir is quoted as saying, One drop of divine love can turn you to gold. Immerse yourself in the work of Kabir with acclaimed poet, author, and spiritual teacher Andrew Harvey in his book, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. Andrew shares the powerful and timeless words of Kabir in a way that is accessible to all with beautiful photography by Brett Hurd. This is a book you will turn to again and again. Available now at Amazon.com or Unity.org slash shop. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. Call today, 816-969-2000. Experience everyday peace with Dr. Drayvon James every Monday at 4 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. In today's busy world, it's easy to get overwhelmed and disconnected. Tune in to the show for practical tips on how to handle whatever life throws at you. Dr. James welcomes some interesting guests and will help you get through any challenges you have with grace. Join the show live or listen later on demand right here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show, and I'm here today with yoga teacher and yoga therapist Lori Highland Robertson. She is also the editor of Yoga, the editor in chief of Yoga Therapy Today, and IAYT, the International Association of Yoga Therapists, is has an upcoming conference, the Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research which will be held June 13th to 16th in Newport Beach, California. And Yogacharya O'Brien will be a plenary speaker at the conference. You can find out more about it at IAYT.org. So, Lori, right before the break, I was talking about the chronic nature of stress today. And I, I did want to give you a chance to comment. How do you see yoga helping with that chronic nature of stress that we have today and the more mental or emotional stressors that we often face? 
Yeah, I definitely have have some thoughts about this. So thanks for giving me that chance. Um, you know, for me, this goes back to the idea of changing our response, the ability to change our response, our relationship to ourselves, to others. You know, we, we can't necessarily change our environment, but we can learn to shift our reactions mm-hmm. to it. And you, you touched on the fact that stressors today are very different than they were in the not so distant past. And Mm -hmm. I I think they're different now, even than they were 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, so work stress is different today than, for example, when I started as an editor and I would go into my office. So this was, you know, more than 20 years ago, I would go into an office and I would edit manuscripts on paper and, you know, fast forward to today, that world is completely different. Everything is electronic and my work comes with me everywhere I go. So it's, it's wonderful work, but the pressures are different. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that that's one of the real beauties of yoga as a therapeutic practice is that it gives you tools that you can tap into. They're portable. You can take them with you. Uh, And so in terms of helping with chronic stresses, you know, we know that yoga can kind of lower your, your set point so that stressors don't seem quite so stressful anymore. You're still going to experience the stressors, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily set you off balance quite so much. And you're able to regain your equilibrium a lot faster. Um, exactly. Yeah. That resilience that, uh, you know, that is such a, an important thing. Part of it for me too, is the awareness that yoga helps us to cultivate so that, you know, whereas before when people weren't, you know, ha- didn't have a practice, um, they may not have noticed how affected they were being by stress until it got to that point that they, for example, you know, you know, yelled at somebody or, you know, kind of snapped. Um, and I think yoga practices and the awareness that they bring, the self-study aspect of yoga um, really helps us to be more present, be more aware, you know, of what is happening. It's like, oh, look at that. Look at, you know, what I, what that just started to trigger in me and taking a breath and being able to do something different with that. Yeah, you you start to catch it a lot sooner. You start mm-hmm. to see those things at work before you reach the point of a snap. Mm-hmm. So I was mentioning before the break about the fight or flight response, and I did want to touch on the other side, the other response that we have, which has been called the relaxation response or the rest and digest response. Uh, which reverses the changes from the stress response, you know, physically. So um, what do you see as the role of triggering the relaxation response in the beneficial effects that yoga has on relieving stress? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's it's helpful to recognize that it's not that the rest and digest system. It's not that the the parasympathetic nervous system is too strong um, for most of us, right? Where we're in 
really stressed states. So we it's it's more that the fight or flight response is unmanaged and the, the sympathetic nervous system is really dominant. And so yoga can really provide practice relaxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the most popular classes at my studio, we call it restorative yoga. Yeah. Um, and I know that's a common term in the yoga world. Um, and I tell people that you get to come and practice relaxing. And this is relaxing. That's not the same thing as, you know, collapsing on the sofa at the end of a long day and, you know, plopping yourself in front of the TV or, or even getting in a bubble bath with a glass of wine and a candle and all of that. But this is practice really settling into yourself and settling into that essence of being that you talked about. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that what we practice, the response that we invoke, we get better at being able to invoke it in the future. Mm-hmm. So I think that we can, in a very real way, strengthen our ability to engage the relaxation response and and to return to that state after a stressor. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's that's a great example. The um, way that we can build our our muscles, our physical muscles, we can also build our ability to access the relaxation response or this you know parasympathetic response, a rest and digest, whatever you'd like to call it. But um, you know, as you said, it, there it does get we get better at it um, as we practice it. And that can be a a wonderful skill to draw on that can help us with um, recovery, you know, from it. And in some cases, avoiding um, kind of the more, you know, prolonged um, um, reflex responses that we may have, like I said, snapping at somebody or, you know, losing our cool, that kind of thing. Right. We can, we can build a healthy habit Usually we talk about bad habits, but we can we can build and strengthen good habits too. Right, which is another another yoga um, insight. You know, is uh, about samskaras. You know, our habits that we can. You know, it's like the wheel on a road. You know, wearing down a rut. You know, and the more we practice something, it's easier to fall into that rut. And that can be true for both positive things, which is like the hopeful part, I think, and negative things as we become aware of something that we have habitually done. It's like, oh, I'm falling into that rut again. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, there, there's that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's turn our conversation to to specific things in the practice of yoga that can be helpful. So just taking a moment to touch on one of the ways that you started your yoga practice, you know, the practice of yoga postures or asana. So I have found asana practice to be very helpful in working with clients with stress and in my own, you know, dealing with stress. As I mentioned, our stress response is preparing us to take physical action. And so it does help to move and particularly to move mindfully and to move our bodies in ways that we don't always move them. So to me, one of the differences with yoga is like, you know, people can go, for example, go for a run, but, or for a, you know, nice brisk walk, which is wonderful being outside. There's nothing wrong with that. But when I think about the kind of special uh, aspect of, of yoga is that it 
gets us to put our bodies into a different form. Whereas when we run or walk, we hold the same kind of patterns of tension that we always hold. Everyone has their own specific ways that they hold their body. And when we're moving, uh, just moving, we may not get out of that. But I think yoga postures have that gift within them that they get us to move our bodies in ways that we don't normally hold our bodies. We, they, we move our shoulders. We, you know, as we're in a posture, oftentimes a cue might come from the instructor of, you know, relaxing your jaw, those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a healthy outlet for, for that physicality. The one that ideally doesn't increase the stresses on your body. Right, right. You know, exactly. So other things that are helpful, so you mentioned breathing exercises, pranayama can be very helpful in dealing with stress. Um, and studies have shown, scientific studies have shown that um, there is a big tie-in between the um, pattern of breathing and triggering the either the parasympathetic, you know, the, this relaxation response, you know, this rest and digest response, or you know, conversely, when you breathe kind of really high and rapidly into our chest, we can actually um, become more anxious. So how do you use pranayama with clients uh, as a, you know, general approach to stress? Yeah, you're, so you're absolutely right. When we're stressed, we tend to breathe more quickly and more in the upper chest. So what we might call accessory breathing, using the, the accessory breathing muscles. So often um, when, when people come to me and they are dealing with stress, that's something that, that we'll work on. Um, I spend a lot of time just encouraging freedom of breath. And um, as you did earlier, simply noticing the breath, noticing what's present naturally, uh, and then Later, we can get to things like encouraging what we might call abdominal breathing or, or full diaphragmatic breathing, um, you know, but we can use specific pranayama, specific breathing practices to address what's going on individually in a client. So often I won't necessarily uh, do like a, a three-part breath or a dirga breath because people are breathing so much in their in their upper chest that we really need to encourage the breath to be uh, a little bit lower and a little bit easier so um, yeah often it's it's a fairly free approach to to just encouraging that movement um, I think that breath work like ujjayi can really be used to promote resilience, which we've talked about. Yeah, can you mention just for those who aren't familiar with Ujjayi, can you just describe it briefly? Yeah, so the so you might see it referred to in research literature as restricted breathing, but it's where you create that little catch at the back of your throat and you create a little sound maybe. Um, and one of the things that that engaging this type of breath does is it makes it a little bit easier to lengthen the breath yes. so to come into to slower breath and it makes it easier to control uh, so that kind of breathing when you do it in a relaxed way 
I think can really promote resilience in the system. Uh, and then, and I was just going to, you know, mention a little bit more about that. So if people want to practice it at home, you just kind of hold a little tension in your, you know, in your throat as you both inhale and exhale. So I've heard it described as Darth Vader breathing. So, so it's, you know, you can really hear it. So softly, you know, like that, you can hear it because it's, you know, because it's um, mic'd, you know, but um, that is an interesting thing to add, you know, to, uh, to a practice of yoga. Oftentimes it is taught, you know, in a yoga class, general yoga class. Um, and I was going to get back to what you were saying about how people do breathe, you know, so much higher in their chests and even just, you know, um, taking a break, um, and either, um, lying if you can, or even sitting and putting your hands, you know, on your stomach, and allowing the stomach to expand like a balloon when you take a breath, um, bringing the breath down, you know, more deeply into the, you know, the bottom of the lungs um, is, is one way to feel that freedom that you're talking about, that kind of freeing of the breath where it's, it's a deeper breath, it's, bring, it's brought down deeper in the body and uh, can be a really kind of a relaxing thing to do. Um, just even sitting at your desk working, uh, taking a little breathing break, you know, for a couple of breaths is a, is a helpful thing to do. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful way to experience it. Really just feeling the movement in the belly, like you said. Um, another type of breath work that I'll often use with people who are dealing with stress is, is a much more enlivening, active practice like Kapalabhati. So a much more uh, forceful, so in Kapalabhati, the emphasis is on the exhalation, and it's a fairly, usually a fairly rapid type of breath, but that kind of enlivening, energizing practice can kind of meet people's energy where it is. Mm-hmm. So if they're already kind of elevated and lifted, and we try to relax them right away, it's maybe not going to work so well. So we need to have a way of meeting them where they are. And then we can follow it by with a, a more relaxing type of breath. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. It 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 it's hard. I mean, the whole idea with yoga therapy is the person's got a program that they can do at home. But if you've um, if you're not meeting them where they are, it's too can be too big of a of a jump, you know, for them to, you know, get into a really you know deep relaxing breath. Or maybe sometimes it's not appropriate. Maybe sometimes it's you know it's better you know at work to, uh, um, you know, to uh, instead of doing the relaxing breath we were just talking about to to kapalabhati. It's a little complicated to um, explain, but um, people can, you know, can look that one up. It is a breath that focuses on the exhale. And so you contract the abdominal muscles, you exhale, um, and not worry about the inhale. The inhale happens kind of automatically. So uh, I did want to touch on meditation, which we mentioned um, earlier in the show. Some people, it might not be the first thing that comes to mind in terms of dealing with stress, but I personally have found that it was, has been very helpful to me in my life of dealing with stress. In particular, when I was a resident um, in my medical training in internal medicine, I would often be on call overnight in the hospital and I would be, have finished up with something and go into the call room and the night kind of feels like you're just sort of waiting for the phone to ring, <laughs> just waiting for that Ooh. next next <laughs> call that you're going to get. 
And oftentimes the only way I could get to sleep is if I could do a centering kind of a meditation, sort of a more prolonged one than I did earlier today, but really just being in the present moment. Cause in the present moment, the phone wasn't ringing, right? In the present moment, nothing, you know, was happening that was negative or bad. And if I could just be in that moment, it would be very, you know, relaxing for me. So has, what has your experience been in using meditation as a tool for people who are under stress? Yeah, I, th- I think it's hugely important. Um, and you touched on a practice that I often will, will offer clients, this practice of present moment awareness. So noticing when the mind has moved to the past or as, you know, as really common in states of stress when it's moved to the future, when that phone is going to ring. Right. Um, but it's this, this idea of instead being fully available right here and, and right now and trusting for, so in the, in the case of the example that you gave, trusting in the knowledge that you have that you have the tools you need to help your patients as they show up in the hospital, you know, but if you aren't able to stay rooted in that present moment, then it will be indeed more difficult to access those tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that um, the way we approach meditation, just like the way we approach asana and pranayama is definitely tailored to the individual you know, a, a seated formal meditation can feel really forced or, or inaccessible to people at first sometimes. Uh, and so we have to find ways of, of meeting them where they are with it. You know, cognitively based practices like meditation or, or intention setting, are, they're just not always accessible when you're, you're trying to use the mind to get a handle on the mind. Uh, and the thing that you're trying to to address, this habitual thinking can get you caught in more habitual thinking. So mm-hmm. in, in those cases, we might do something like a, a walking meditation mm-hmm. or, um, you know, making the asana or some sort of simple movement into a, a truly meditative practice so that, that you know, if we can get the person comfortable with the practices, then they can experience those profound benefits. But how do, how do we help that individual person to be comfortable with the idea uh, of a meditative practice? Mm-hmm. Right. Again, kind of meeting people where they are. And the moving meditation is a, is a wonderful one where you're just paying attention to everything when you're walking. So in general, it's a slower walk, but you're feeling the ground as you as as your feet meet the ground. Um, the quality of the ground, the quality of the surface that you're, you know, you're walking on, feeling all of your senses. What are you seeing? You know, what are you feeling? Feeling the air on your skin? Is it uh, cold? Is is there a breeze? Um, what's around you? Are there birds? Um, is it what are the noises that are around you? And just tuning into your senses. Is there a smell? Is there an odor? You know, where you're walking, um, and that can be very grounding just that kind of a walking meditation. Yeah, and it's a it's a huge relief to people to find that they don't have to be still to experience the benefits of a meditative practice. Right. 
So we just have a couple of minutes left. And I did want to mention that in the most recent issue of Yoga Therapy Today, you mentioned IAYT's new SEVA Award, which is new this year in participation, or sorry, in partnership with Give Back Yoga. So what do you see as the role of service or SEVA in yoga therapy? Oh, thanks for that question. And thanks for mentioning our, our SEVA Award. We're really excited about that. Um, you know, I think at its best, yoga therapy is is inherently a calling that's based on service. It's it's based on serving the other person rather than on on trying to fix them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also, you know, I think we have a lot to offer uh, the healthcare system um, in terms of low cost relatively easy to implement methods uh, and so in that way we can we can be a, a service to society and I also think that one of the key benefits of a yoga practice is that we begin to ultimately uncover how it is that we each are meant to be of service and how we each can create meaning and purpose in our lives mm. So, Which is definitely, you know, a part of, of, you know, yoga practice and yoga therapy as well. So we've come to about the last minute. Unbelievably, it's been so lovely to speak with you. So what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to share with our listeners? Words of encouragement. It did go fast, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would love to encourage everyone that there is the possibility of learning to connect to that inner wisdom, that vinyana maya that we mentioned, and to connect with ananda maya, to connect with joy. And you can do that regardless of the external circumstances that you happen to be involved in in any given moment. And I think it's, it's about consistency of practice rather than any particular heroic effort. You know, so coming back to the practices again and again with with dedication and consistency, but you you can learn to get to that inner wisdom and that joy. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful and inspiring. <laughs> You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and we've been discussing the power of yoga for stress relief with our guest, Lori Highland Robertson, editor-in-chief of Yoga Therapy Today. Ms. Robertson is also a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, and owner of Whole Yoga and Pilates in the Baltimore, Washington area. And you can find out more about her at wholeyoga.net and also at iayt.org. Thank you so much, Lori Highland Robertson, for joining me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's turn to a few announcements. Yogacharya O'Brien is offering a silent retreat, which is called In the Silence of the Soul, coming up June 6th to 9th, 2019, in Boulder Creek, California. She also continues on her speaking tour in support of her book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. As I mentioned, she will be a plenary speaker at the upcoming IAYT conference in Newport Beach, California on June 16th. 
She also will be offering a retreat at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in Stockbridge, Massachusetts from August 11th to 14th, which is titled Live Your Abundant Life Now. You can find out more about her speaking schedule on her author website, ellengraceobrien.com. Join us next week on May 23rd when I welcome Nishala Joy Davy, a pioneer in the field of alternative healing and author of the new book, The Namaste Effect. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the show, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producer, Anne Hayes, CSE's global media outreach manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. It's really been delightful to share this time with you, talk a little bit about stress and how yoga is very powerful, offers us many, many tools in dealing with the stress in our lives. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.